we do not have to give up our health or our homes or our happiness, our marriages, our relationship with our kids. These things should not and cannot be compromised because of our businesses. And there is a better way. You're listening to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now with your host, Jackie Koch, the podcast with all the tips and tools to help you succeed when all of a sudden you have the realization that you're the one in charge. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. So excited today, we have a guest. And on the show, we dig into something that is so top of mind for me right now, something that I'm really committed to doing, and that is working less hours and simplifying my business. And I know a lot of you listening to the show are probably in the same position. And so I have an expert in this on the show, and we dig into it. Today, we're talking to Leah Remillet. Leah is the host of the Balancing Busy podcast. She's an international speaker and the anti-hustle business coach. Yes, please. Leah helps women do less but better. And simply put, if you're a woman on a mission, but you worry about scaling your business and that means that you'll fail at home, then Leah can show you how to spread your message, make an incredible income, and do it all in less time. Y'all, she's been working three days a week for the last, like, over 12 years. So she knows her stuff. And I know you are going to leave feeling inspired to actually start to put some things into your business so that you can work less and still make the impact you want to make. So let's listen in. Hi, Leah. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on and giving the gift of your time and wisdom to listeners. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. So thank you for having me. Okay. So I love a good founder entrepreneurship story. All of them are so different. So I really would love just to start out. Can you share with listeners a little bit about this, how you became an entrepreneur, this, the path that led you to really being an entrepreneur? Oh, absolutely. I'd love to. So I am one of those where entrepreneurship is in my DNA. Like I love business. I love thinking about how to build businesses, solve businesses. I create businesses in my head all the time that I will never start, but just think like, oh, this would be so good. And so I I had all kinds of little businesses going on my whole life. And I then got married, started having kids. And I had this moment where if I'm being completely honest, and that's what we're going to be here, is I wanted something that was for myself. Like, I'm not going to say, oh, I started my business for my family or like, I wanted something that was mine. I remember vividly the day where I kept this little tiny blog. This is back in like 2008. So blogging is still pretty new. And I keep this little blog because my husband is, we're at undergrad in Hawaii. All of our family lives on the mainland. I'm just trying to keep them up to date because we now have three kids and I'm trying to tell them what everybody's doing. And so the blog would always look like so-and-so is walking and the other one is potty training and the last one is doing solids and Taylor did great on his finals. And I remember having this moment where I was like, will anything ever be mine? Am I ever going to have something that I get to say? And Leah did this and I wanted something that was mine. And I also, where poor students would love to make a financial contribution that was more significant. And so I started looking for what I could do. And my beginning 
was actually as a photographer and I had never picked up a professional camera. I had no reason to believe that I could do it in any way. I literally saw some images on someone else's blog and thought I could do that. I'm going to figure out how to do that. And it just seemed like the vehicle that I could use for a business. So I wasn't like, oh, I'm meant to be a photographer. I was like, I'm meant to be a business owner and this is the vehicle in which I'm going to use. So I convinced my husband to sell his laptop, which meant he had to do all his stuff in the library and use their computer. And I bought a camera and I started with that. I built that to six figures within the first 18 months. And I was like, okay, this is amazing. But I hadn't looked at how to organize my business, how to set up systems, right? All that kind of stuff. So things were chaotic would be a very nice way to say it. Honestly, it was a crap show and I was losing my mind. And so I'm working to try to figure this out. But in the process, I'm also realizing I'm not even that good. Like if the people with talent knew how to do this, they would be able to kill it. There should be no starving artists. And so I built a course in 2011 that was called The Thriving Photographer. And it was to teach photographers how to build a six-figure photography business. Like, here are all my systems. Boom, boom. Here's how you put it in place. And so I built that course. That course went on to do seven figures and was just amazing. And I really realized I love teaching. I love explaining how to put all the pieces in place and how to make it work. And throughout those first four years, I went through my own journey of figuring out how to create a lifestyle business instead of this small business that was honestly running me. Like, yes, the money was great, but I felt like I was drowning at all times and was felt horrible, honestly. And so, yeah, so it was just this process. And then today I focus on helping entrepreneurs. I mostly work with work from home entrepreneurs and teach them how to put in the right systems, strategies, and just organize their business in a way so that they can have maximum profitability with minimum hours. Ultimately, like I'm a working mom. So I went in and I was like, I need to figure out how to make the most amount of money in the least amount of time. And people would laugh and they'd be like, Haha, isn't that what we all want? And I'm like, no, I'm serious. That is what I need. And so that's what I help people do. That's amazing. So first, thank you for being so honest about the reason why you wanted to build a business. So I don't have any, I don't have kids. And I feel like if I did, I would feel like the my why would be, obviously your kids are a part of your why, but I, I feel like that just gave me permission to be like, no, like I, it would be okay to have something because you want it for yourself. So thank you for sharing that because I feel like that's exactly how I would be. So I have so many questions that I want to go. I guess my first question would be, when you talk me through what specifically the chaos was in your business, like when you say there was like no systems, like was it no billing system? Was it not a booking? Was it your emails? Like, can you remember back to what that felt like and what that was? And if you can't, I totally get it. But what would be some of those common things that you see entrepreneurs struggle with now? Like, because I feel like sometimes they can't even define what the chaos is. They're just so busy. So I would love just to like put some words to what that is. Absolutely. Okay. So some of the things that come to my mind was I didn't have boundaries. 
right? I didn't want to disappoint anyone. I was constantly saying yes, literally as I knew I should be saying no. I would be thinking there is no way I can take on another client. And then someone calls and says, please, can you get us in? And I'm figuring out where to get that in at the expense of my family. And one of the things that I have learned since then is every yes is a no somewhere. And when you recognize that, it begins to be easier to say no because I shifted that people pleaser mentality of, oh, I want everyone to be happy with me to actually picture my kid's face. If I say yes to you, I am saying no to them. I am saying no to family dinner. I'm saying no to Saturday with them. I'm saying no to whatever it might be. So that was definitely a big part of it. Another one was I wasn't scheduling myself well enough. And what I mean by that is I look back and I think about how now if there's something that I need to do, I will literally schedule in a five-minute thing in my schedule two weeks from now to remind myself to follow up with so-and-so. I never had any of those things in place. I just expected myself to remember. And of course, I didn't. And then when it does finally hit you, you're like, oh my gosh, I forgot to. And you're panicking. So I remember constantly being behind with clients, feeling like I'm trying so hard to give this incredible experience, and yet I'm too far behind. And so I'm not giving as great of experience as I want to, saying yes way too often, worried of always being afraid that like I don't want to miss any opportunity, so I'm going to say yes to everything. And the funny thing is, I was pretty good always about having like a billing system in place, good contact form, like all those kind of things were there. I think I just was saying yes to way too much and not having a hard stop where I said no. And I think that's because a lot of times we're sold this idea that success is how much money we have. And I'm not going to lie. I really like having money. Okay. It does make life easier when you don't have to think about like how you pay bills. Okay. That's just the truth. But when I shifted to really looking for a lifestyle that I wanted, it was like, okay, well, how much money do I need for that lifestyle? Like, what do I need to have in place? And then I could start looking at, well, then what areas of my business bring in the most profit and which areas suck the most? They're taking the most time. They produce the least amount of results and start making more strategic decisions. Yep. I hear that. I feel that so deep. I feel like for in my business, what I have found is that when you're kind of building something from scratch, you're, you're saying yes to everything for a lot of reasons. And one of them is like, you don't really, like for me, I don't really know what I'm offering yet. Like I, I, I could offer a million different things. So I'm like testing and trying things. And every time I do something, I'm like not doing that again. Or, okay, I liked this. Or like, definitely not going to do that again. And like, it's been three years of that. And I'm, I think it'll be continuous, I imagine. But what I found is the mindset shift of, saying no, I always end up getting something else, some like that or something better that comes in to replace it. But it wasn't until I started saying no to stuff or being okay with stuff slipping away and not feeling that fear, which took a lot of mindset work. But then as soon as I started doing that, like, I, like for example, I have a client that had a pullback on some stuff that we had committed to, which was a lot of money coming in every month. And I finally, after many years of working on my money mindset, was like, that's all right. That or something better is coming. And then something better has come in 
the last two weeks, but it took so much effort or so much mindset work to get to that place. And that's obviously not like a system or a tool. That's something different. But none of the systems and tools honestly work without the mindset. That's probably one of the biggest things that I've learned is I think I kept trying to strong arm these organizational tactics into my business and they really didn't start working until I got the mind shift right. And one of those reasons is because if you do start putting in some good systems and you're freeing up time, your inclination is going to be, then what else can I do to just fill the space, right? Like, well, great. Now I can add more clients or I can add a mo- another project or I can say yes to this next big thing. Honestly, just getting myself to be okay being still, getting myself to say, and that's good enough. I'm done. I'm walking away. I'm going to go spend time where I say matters most with my family, with the rest of my life. That is its own mind shift that takes a lot of work and a lot of practice. Yeah, it doesn't come in. It takes years of practice, I feel like. At least for me, someone who grew up in the hustle culture, which you probably did for a while too, like it's years of conditioning to undo. I guess going back a little bit, was there a moment in your journey? I know you've said you felt chaotic and all this stuff, but was there any like moment or defining moment where you were like, okay, something's got to change. Something's got to give. I got to do this differently. What was that moment? So the huge moment was in order to get everything done, I had stopped sleeping. So I had three really young kids and I have become our sole breadwinner. My husband has now moved on to graduate school. We've moved from Hawaii to Portland, Oregon, and he's in graduate school. So he's gone a lot. And I none of my kids are even in elementary school yet. So they are all home and I am our sole provider. And and this business has just grown and grown. And what I'm hearing is be careful what you wish for. Oh, um, yeah. You want it. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Yes. So and I think it's important to realize in the beginning, I don't think there's anything wrong with the fact that like we we jump into our businesses or into entrepreneurship and we're like, oh my gosh, what could I do? And we're just trying to see what's possible, right? But I never in the early years, I wasn't looking at and how do I build in a good system or a good strategy or a whatever, a workflow in order to make sure that when the clients do come in, I'll be ready. And that can be, that can destroy so many small businesses because all of a sudden the clients finally do come, but the experience is destroyed because they didn't have the systems in place and then everything falls apart. So I am trying to keep everything together and I would put the kids down at 8 p.m. and I would go into my office. And at the beginning, it was like, oh, I'm just going to work a few hours. Only those hours where no one interrupts you, your email isn't really going off, I can just focus in and do the work I couldn't believe how much I was getting done. And, you know, it started just a few hours and it kept extending until on most nights I would look and realize, oh, it's 5 a.m. And I've got to go to sleep. And I I worked out a, this is not a real system, okay? Let's just clarify that. But I worked out a quote system where I would work from eight to five, three to four nights in a row. Then I would do one night where I would get like five hours of sleep and then I would do it again. And my kids would wake up about 7 a.m. So I was getting like on average two hours of sleep a night for about four to five hours. And I'd get one night with five or six hours. And then I would start my cycle again. And I thought, oh, I'm hacking the system. Look at me, all you mere mortals who need sleep. I'm like, I'm doing amazing. And I thought this was working for me. 
Well, every Wednesday, I would take the kids to a different place because it was like, honestly, the the four or five hours out of 68 hours in a week where I didn't feel like a crappy mom because this is pre-smartphones being smart. And so no one could contact me, you know, uh, like work-wise. And I would either take them to the zoo or the children's museum or Portland has several different options. I would take them to one every Wednesday afternoon. And we would, you know, just spend time together. And I'd feel for those few hours, like I'm a good mom. And, and the rest of the time, I was just too exhausted, honestly. And so one day, we are at the zoo. We are in the alligator exhibit. I can see all of it. I remember exactly where we were. And everything starts tunneling in around me. I'm losing my vision. I'm losing my hearing. I can Everything's starting to go black. I can feel I'm going to black out. And so I try to get us over to a side as quick as I can. I've got a double stroller. I have one I'm whose hand I'm holding. The other two are in a double stroller. And I try to get us over to a side. I black out. When I come to, I'm on a stretcher. I'm being put into an ambulance. And I knew without question that I had done this to myself. Like this was because of me not taking care of myself, not sleeping, like everything that I'd put in my body through, my body literally went on strike. It was like, we are done. You will not continue this way. And I locked eyes with my oldest and her, she's this tiny little thing with these giant saucer eyes. She is so terrified. And it was that moment that I was like, I will walk away from my business. This is not worth it. If I cannot fix this, if I cannot figure this out, then I'm done. And I didn't know what we would do. I I am our breadwinner. I am the one who pays the mortgage, right? Like I had no idea how we would be okay, but I knew without question that there is no success that is worth failure in the home. Never. And so I became obsessed with productivity, time management, and figuring out how to cut my hours. And so I went from whatever those insane hours were to working three days a week. And I've worked part-time hours ever since without losing any income. And so that that has been now just my purpose is helping other people where I'm like, we do not have to give up our health or our homes or our happiness, our marriages, our relationship with our kids. These things should not and cannot be compromised because of our businesses. And there is a better way. Wow. Okay. So how far in, well, first, such a scary moment. How far into your business were you at that moment? Like three years, five years? Four like years. How, how I would long? say about four years. Yeah. Three, three years, three, four years. Can so relate to this right now. Although, no, I sleep a lot. No, good. Don't, good. Sleeping I is don't really no important, you guys. I don't have, like I said, I do not have a family, so it's a little bit easier for me, I think. And how long had you been on this crazy three, four nights on, one night off work routine? <laughs> year, year and a half. Wow. Yeah. Like I had been doing it for a long time, definitely a year. I mean, so I've been in business for 15 years. So this is a long time ago, right? This is so just for perspective, my kids, none of them were even in elementary school yet. And now my oldest goes to college in a month. So I've now gotten to go through raising my kids all the way through, through every stage of life from them being, I started when my youngest was four months to now us going all the way through. They're all high school and going into college. So 
So yeah, it's been a lot of stages. I've experienced it all. I remember, I know exactly how hard it is when your kids are really little. So anyone who's in that season, oh, it is so hard. You are in the trenches. Just know that. And like the subsequent seasons after that too. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I'm assuming you work, this is what you do You do now as your business. Yeah. So can you share some of, some advice you have to entrepreneurs if they're listening to the show and they're like, this is me, like I need to cut back my work hours. Where do I start? What do I do? Is there similar advice you offer to all entrepreneurs on where to start? Or maybe like there's a handful of things that they should look at first. So when it comes to how do I start pulling back my hours, because I am realizing I'm working 24-7, maybe they're starting to see their friends or their family resentful. They used to love their business, and now they're like, oh, you're always on your phone. You're always looking at your laptop, whatever it is, right? There is definitely some things that universally we can do across the board. And the first thing is you need to set hours. That is really hard because the way that businesses run now, it's very different than what our parents or their parents ever faced. We are available 24-7. Our smartphones are little computers that make it so that we can work from anywhere. And there is this, this idea that we need to collectively shift. That is, we should be available all the time. That whether you email me at 7 p.m. or 7 a.m., I should answer or that it's appropriate to call about a work thing on a Saturday or, you know, a Friday night or whatever it is. So one of the things is you need to put in some healthy boundaries. And this can be really uncomfortable because maybe you've accidentally set up your clients to believe that you are available all the time. And so we can start by first defining what are going to be my work hours and what is my non-negotiable, this is when I do not work. So one of my first non-negotiables that I set up as my kids started getting into school was right when they got home till after dinner, not going to work no matter what. I and, and I had to put, I actually had to put measures in place to stop myself because my inclination is to go take care of the thing. So I used to, in the early years, I would shut down my computer right before they were coming home from school because then... If I did try to sneak in, I literally had to power the whole thing back up. I would put my phone in a drawer or in another room. So things like that. I have zero notifications allowed on my phone for anything. Nothing notifies me. I have to remember to go check. Now, does it mean I am literally the world's worst at responding to Messenger or DM? Yes, the worst. I am never going to realize because I don't have any notifications. But... It also means I have learned how to be present again with the people who matter most and have been able to save and restore those relationships, right? So that's going to be one of the first things is you got to know your work hours and just catch where you get stuck. We each have places where we get stuck and then set up a trigger for yourself to protect yourself from getting pulled back in. So that, I would say, hands down, is the very first thing start creating some scripts. So if you do have it where your clients believe they can get a hold of you all the time, set up some scripts for yourself. Maybe you set up a new voicemail that says, oh, this is, uh, let's see, if it was me, I'd say something like, hi, this is Leah Ramelay, and I'm so sorry I couldn't get to you right now. I am trying something new. I wanna be more present for my family and kids, and I have set better office hours. So please forgive me. I'm not gonna be able to get back to you until 
at least 10 a.m. tomorrow if you received this message between 4 p.m. and after. I'm with the family. I hope you enjoy that time with your family too, and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Okay, so maybe I leave a voicemail like that. Maybe I have a text message that auto sends out to anyone that texts me after 4 p.m. That's like, it's family time for me now. I'll make sure I get back to you. And I'd even have it say, this is an automated reply. It's family time now because I don't want them to think this is pointed at them. I want them to think like, this is general, it's generic. And I would start putting things like that in place to set up the boundaries and the expectations that maybe I honestly sabotaged myself. So those are some of the things I would start with. I also wonder like, it's more just for your own peace of mind. Because does a client really ever be like, Leah, why are you not responding to me? It's really just for your own peace of mind. And as soon as they go out like twice, then you're probably like, don't even care anymore that you don't even have to set up again. But it's just like makes you feel better a little bit. Yes, because we have, again, this is what's so crazy. It's all coming down to mindset. That's the bottom line. We have a mindset issue right now, a block that says, I'm not a good business owner, I'm not worth it if I'm not available 24-7 to them, if I don't get right back to them, if they have to wait for me. So all of those things, we have to retrain ourselves. So just putting in those little scripts, those little systems, they can retrain us and help us to realize this is good. And then for anyone who has a team who has employees, you are setting them all up to burn out and hate you if you expect them to be available all the time because you're available all the time, right? Like, you're working at all hours, so you're shooting off texts and emails and all kinds of things at all hours, and then they feel like, oh my gosh, I have to get back to them right now, but I was with family or I was whatever, doing something fun. So that's a whole nother place that we want to set those better boundaries so that we can teach our team, our employees, right, to like know that we respect theirs as well. I almost just look at these, not even boundaries is a word for it, but it's also just like operating procedures. Like, feel like people have just forgotten that you can set up operating procedures for you and your team. And those used to be standard when you would go into an office or when we didn't have smartphones. And uh, I think people have just forgotten that because even some of my clients who are CEOs who have team members, they're like, their team will be, will say something to them about like, hey, I feel like I have to get, I feel like I can't even take a lunch. And they're like, did I ever tell you couldn't take a lunch? Like you have agency to get stuff done. Just go take a lunch. If you have to put it out of office, then do it, but go take a lunch. And I think even the employee mindset, not just an entrepreneurship mindset, is that you're always on and like you've given away your agency to this, to other people for no reason. Like it, I don't know. That's a whole other topic. But but I agree with you. And I think we can inspire a movement by each of us individually verbalizing what we're doing. And that's why I think it's powerful. I think it's powerful to actually verbalize, I am taking time with family. I am taking downtime. I am going to be with the kids from now till when, whatever, whatever it looks like for each of us, because that then inspires the next person to go, wait, we can do that? Like, that's allowed? I'm on lunch. That's loud. And I do think it's really important for the employer to clearly say, and I have these conversations with my team where I'm like, I do not want you to ever work on Sunday, not ever, no matter what. And I verbalize that. I verbalize like, I need you to tell me if it's too much. If you're like, hey, 
this, I, I don't know if I can make this deadline or I need you to tell me when you have things going on and I'm going to put into my calendar. Don't bug her between this time and this time. And, but we need to make sure that they know that we want to know what's going on in their life, especially when there's a lot of virtual work now. And so I don't have you in the office where I catch and notice, oh, they seem stressed. I should check on them. I'm not going to get any social cues. I'm not going to get any visual cues. So without me remembering to check in on them or them telling me, I think we're going on as normal when maybe there's something in their life right now that is very much not normal and they need me to notice it. Yeah. So when you started building a team, how did you start to make that shift? Did you put like reminders on your calendar to do it? Was it, did it come natural to you? Did you put reminders on your phone to check in with the team? How did you start to make that shift? Because I do think it, for a lot of people, it doesn't, they just assume status quo and they assume everybody's just going to feel comfortable voicing stuff. Yeah. So I had read early on Entree Leadership And that actually gave me a lot of the frameworks that I still use and teach to this day. And so some of the things that I did is I set up, everyone has pretty much with the exception of, I think one person ever has been virtual. And so we have some systems in place. Some of those are a beginning of the week team meeting. I have it structured where certain people get on at certain times in like 15 minute increments. If they overlap, then they'll be on together and they're back to back. If they don't, they're going to be a separate time. So I might be on for one hour, but I'm catching every single person at different times so that we don't have to waste time with them listening to something that's completely not relevant, right? So we have that. And then we have a Friday check-in. And the Friday check-in is them sending me an email and they're supposed to tell me the best thing about their week the worst thing about their week. And they know I really don't want that have to, to have to do with business. I want it to be about their personal lives. And then they're going to give me a little rundown of here's what I've been working on and here's the hours so that I can check if I'm like, whoa, we've been spending way too much time on that project. Or I can be reminded like, oh, I need to check in and see how we're doing with that one and, and where we're at. So I put those two things in place early on. And then I really made sure and thought about like, I want to be a really good boss and I need to figure out how to be a really good boss. And so looking at those kind of things, being able to ask what's the best, what's the worst helps me to check in and know. And then I've tried really hard to just put in little experiences that make their life easier or help them to feel really seen. So a, a simple example of this is one of my team members who's like my main VA And she kind of, you know, Jill of all trades does a ton of different things, right? I knew her extended family was coming into town and staying with her. And she said in the email about this. And so I made sure I sent the most ridiculous bouquet of flowers for when they would be in town, telling her that I couldn't do what I do without her and how incredible she is, purely because I wanted them to be able to see how much I appreciate her and her to get to have that feeling of like them knowing that she's awesome. And so just looking for things like that can be powerful. I feel like I've deviated a lot at this point. But anyways, <laughs> I love that. No, those are all those are fantastic ideas. And I love the examples because every boss is different. Every business is different. And so you just have to find the different things that work for you with your team. And so I love hearing what other people are doing because it in- inspires me to do things to grow with my team or help my other clients. And so those are some really great suggestions, especially in the rolling team meeting instead of a full team meeting is a great idea. 
never have thought of that. It's huge. I did the full team for years and then realized like, gosh, I'm paying you to be on a call that you do not need to hear anything about because maybe you're working on something for my membership site and they're working on something for our, I don't know, Pinterest marketing plan. They're not at all connected. And yet you're sitting here waiting for your turn. So that's when I started shifting, like, how can we be more efficient here? And then created the rolling. That's amazing. Do you struggle at all with the system and the systems that you have in place with like enforcing or holding your team accountable to deadlines? Like, do you use a project management tool? What do you use to like help hold the team accountable? Because that is something that I hear so much is that my clients struggle with doing that and holding their teams accountable. So I use a lot of checklists. Checklists are my way to make sure that we are doing things in the proper way, the way I want them. I will say if it is so important to get the right people in the right places. And if you are having people where you are constantly struggling to get them to stay on deadline, to get them to do the things you've asked the way you want them, they're probably just flat out not the right people. And as much as it is miserable to have to be like, great, now I have to start all over and find somebody else. That's honestly what probably needs to happen. But it's also important that we're really clear about our expectations because it's not fair to anybody to be like, what, you can't read my mind? And so in the corporate world, they would call them standard operating procedures. Obviously, Jackie, you for sure know that. Uh, the SOPs. In my company, we call them, and the way I teach them, I call them Bobs. Bob, because honestly, I think it is the most fun word to say. Bob, like I just love it. Bob, but it's a great word. Right? It it's really like, is a great word. No, it's like so fun to say. So Bob stands for best operation breakdown. I don't want anything to be standard in my business. We are trying to do it the absolute best way we possibly can. And so there is a Google Doc for every single process we have. And so it's Bob and then whatever that Bob is for. And we literally look at Bob as like he is a member of the team. Okay, Bob is there to help all of us. I saw that on your website. I was so curious what that was. Okay, it makes so much more sense now. I have a picture on my website of like like on my about there. You probably saw my team, right? And you saw Bob. And I'm like, I was like, Bob is an interesting job title. (laughs) This is Bob. This is that is what I imagine Bob looks like. Like he is eager to just help us and make us all happy. And so best operation breakdown. And it's just a checklist of here's everything else up. So I'll use the podcast because I have a podcast too, Balancing Busy. And within the Balancing Busy podcast, there is just checklist of every single step before an episode goes live. And within those steps, if it's a step that they might need an explanation for, there is linked a loom that they can go watch that's going to show exactly how to do that. And I make all those or my team does in real time. So instead of taking time to build a operations manual or something like that. I just do it in real time. I'm like, oh, I got to go do this right now. This is something I'm going to want somebody else to do for me eventually. I'm turning on Loom and I'm going to talk through what I'm doing and why I do it the way I do it. So we just have these giant checklists that have links to, there's login links if you need it. There's Loom links if you need it. There's, here's exactly where we go to do it. And then you can go through and make sure, okay, I'm doing every single step and I did it the way that that we want it done so we have uniformity. And if someone has an idea to make it better, I want them to present it and give that idea. And then we will probably update Bob with a new step or shift it or remove one or whatever that might look like. Awesome. 
Well, I love it. That's what I tell everyone to do. So preach to you for making it more fun and and for doing it. I feel like that and tracking your time, like how you spend your time are the two things that nobody wants to do. They hate it. But it's like the two most impactful things that you can do in your business. Yeah. Anyways, you're right. Like as the business owner, all of us are like, that's I shouldn't have to. But you will learn so much. I challenge all my clients and within my membership, one of the first things as we're trying to figure out time management and get uber productive and cut their hours is like, you've got to track and actually see where it's going because you're going to start finding these big spots where you're like, I had no idea I was spending that much time on that. And then we can start looking at it and making a plan for how do we cut those hours? How do we put in some processes or some automations? And or can we just say, I don't have to do that at all and just be done with it all together? Exactly. Cool. Well, with that said, tell me a little bit more about how listeners can work with you if they're really committed to like changing their state at work and how they work. Like, how can they work with you to help them simplify their life and reduce their hours? Absolutely. So the first thing I'd say is, obviously, you're all listening to a podcast. I know you're podcast listeners. So come when you're done with this episode, go search Balancing Busy and come find me and subscribe to my podcast. You're going to get so many different strategies and ideas and things like what you've heard. We release a new episode every single week. And then you can go to balancingbusy.com and you can learn all about me. That'll direct you over to my website and you can learn about our different membership and courses and trainings and all kinds of things that we have to help you cut your hours so you can do less but better. And then on social media, I'm everywhere as Leah Remelay, which I know is such a doozy. So if you don't happen to be driving and you can text yourself really quick, it's L-E-A-H. R-E-M-I-L-L-E-T. And we'll link it in the show notes. If they can't text it to themselves quick, it'll be in the show notes. All of these things will be there for them to check out. Well, you've inspired me. I I committed to doing four-day work weeks this summer. I'm failing at my commitment currently, but you have re-inspired me. Yeah, we can (laughs) reignite. Exactly. You have re-inspired me that it's possible and that we can make it happen. So thank you so much for that. And thank you for sharing your time and your knowledge with all all of us. And I'm so excited to follow along in your journey and see where everything takes you and also to listen to your show because I know there will be nuggets that I can take home as well into my business. So listeners definitely go pay attention and follow her podcast as well. Leah, thanks so much for joining us. And listeners, we'll talk to you again soon. Speaking of the power of people, I'd be honored to read your written review of this show. If you enjoyed what you heard and have suggestions on how to make this show more impactful, please show your support by taking a few minutes to let me know what you think. See you next time.